through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, to find it, it's not as difficult as you imagine. We can all find easily the book of Psalms. So you can find the Psalms, then move forward. You've got Proverbs, and then you're into Ecclesiastes. And it's Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Now, if you came to our house just about this time last year, and you'd come in, and there I would be, and Bridget would be, and, and, and Joshua, and so on, and, and you'd say, what's happened? What's gone wrong? You could just tell by looking at us that something bad had happened. We were sort of down in the dumps. Something bad had happened. We had lost our dearest wee friend that we had for about 14 years, our wee dog Diesel. Broke our hearts. And we, I suppose, uh, we're still grieving about it. He contributed so much joy in our lives. And I've told about Diesel many a time. And uh, uh, so when I think about Diesel, it's around this time I have a lovely memory of him. Because usually when the spring would kick in, uh, we might be upstairs and we'd hear a lot of barking. And we might assume it's the postman. And if it's not the postman, and we go down the stairs, and there he is, and he's looking at the ceiling, and he's barking. Because there's a fly on the ceiling. And you'd hear this wee bzzz, 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 and that would get him going. And he'd be chasing after the flies, and he'd be barking at them, and he'd be at the window trying to snap at them, and sometimes he'd get one. But the fly wouldn't give up, up without a fight, and he'd be flying around the inside of his mouth, and, and open the mouth and let it go again, and he'd barking at it again. And so he had lots of fun uh, chasing after the flies. Nobody likes a fly. I don't like them. I don't like them when they're alive, and I don't like them when they're dead. And it's an awful thing to go in and get a bit of toast, and you get the butter, and there you have uh, flies in the butter. (laughs) Terrible. Nobody likes flies, whether they're alive or whether they're dead. The Bible talks about flies. Look at this wee verse here, chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, dead flies. They do something terrible. They cause the ointment of the apothecary. Uh, That's just the place where the ointments are made, the chemist's shop. Uh, You go down and you buy your oils, your ointments, and you maybe put it on the desk, lift the lid, and... And all the fragrance comes out and it, it kicks out all the odours and replaces the odours with a lovely fragrance. And that's the way it was way back in the times of the Bible. And of course, uh, uh, the, the flies, they would be drawn to the fragrance and there's the alabaster box open and there's oils there, there's ointment there and they'll fly in and of course they get trapped there and they die there. So the alabaster box can become a, a dead flies graveyard. And they die there and they decay there and, and when they decay they give off uh, the odour. 
dead flies caused the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So, you don't like to look at the butter with dead flies on it. Way back in Bible times, they didn't want the alabaster box with the ointment and the oils to become the, the graveyard of dead flies. It began to stink and the fragrance would be corrupted. Dead flies in the ointment. So when we think about the ointment as believers, what might we be thinking about? So turn to the book of Psalms. So you're going backwards. Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Here's what the verse says. Psalm 133 and it's verse 1. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh, I think it's a, a, a miraculous thing and it's a, it's a wonderful thing that God takes the peoples of this diverse world. He brings us out of all sorts of backgrounds. Political backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, racial backgrounds, and he drags us out of them and he brings us together in the body of Christ and he says, you're my people. Your brothers and your sisters together in Christ. He ties us together in this glorious union in Christ. And then he says, take these virtues and by the grace of my spirit, learn to live together in unity. Harmony. Uh, look into each other as brother and sister in Christ, boned together, belonged together, and learning to love each other, and so on. This glorious union and unity that we have in Christ. And it says there, behold how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. It can be a, a pleasant experience. Now the word pleasant there, it means delightful. To have a, a, a delightful experience being together with the brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're eating an ice cream, and I said to you, well, what was the ice cream like? And you said, it was delightful. And you'd said, we're swelling your face. And you'd be licking your lips. And you'd be saying, it was so delightful, I can't wait for the next one. I really enjoyed it. It was good. I can't wait for another experience of the ice cream. It was so delightful. Wouldn't it be a marvelous thing if when you go home and someone said to you, maybe a neighbor or something, well, you're church this morning. Well, what was it like? And you could say with a smell in your face, it was delightful. Absolutely delightful. I can't wait for next Sunday. I can't wait for the midweek Bible study to get together with God's people and, and to converse with them and worship with them and sing together a fellowship. It's such a delightful experience. That's the way it should be. Uh, I think I told you this before, way back in 2007, uh, you know, Bridget's family came from Alaska and way back then in 2007, they moved from Alaska down to a, a place called Coeur d'Alene in Idaho. 
So we went off to see the new homestead and, and uh, you know, we saw the place and enjoyed it, the experience of it all. But when we were there on the Sunday course, we headed off to the church that uh, the mum and dad had started to worship in. And when we got there, it was a very special day because uh, their former pastor, a man called Graham Day, was back for a wee visit. And they had part of the service where a little newly born baby, I can't even remember if they used the word dedication or not, but they were simply going to bring the family onto the platform, which is what they did. And then Pastor Day picked up the little child, and this lovely wee girl, he held her up, and they were just going to pray for this little, little baby girl. And he preached a wee short sermon, and I never forgot it. And the sermon was simply this. As he held up the wee child, and he sort of touched the ear, and he said to the congregation, have you ever seen such cute little ears, such lovely ears as those wee ears? And of course, everybody went, ah. And then he said, and look at those beautiful little eyes. The loveliest blue eyes you'll ever see. And of course, everybody went, ah. And then he said this. He says, I charge this church that when this little child grows up in this church, that these wee ears never hear anything or the eyes never see anything that deters this little child from knowing Jesus Christ as her saviour. I never forgot that. That was it. And then he prayed. I see all these wee children heading out there and I think the same. This should be a place that is delightful. This should be like ice cream where the children and you, the parents, you can't wait for Sunday to come because this is a delightful place to be, a delightful experience to have and to come here and to enjoy it and be blessed by it and to be built up in your most holy faith by it. It to be a place of unity and oneness. Look at Psalm 122 and verse 1. Psalm 122 and verse 1. It uh, says this. Uh, it says, I was glad. David says, uh, there came a moment when I was glad. And, and the word there, glad, means to, to, to brighten up or to, to cheer up. It's like a dimmer switch when it's darkness. You get it brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until it's fully lit. See? To cheer up, to lift the spirit. So if someone says, David, you're down in the dumps. I've got a good suggestion for you that'll brighten up the spirit, that'll lift you, put a smell in your face. And lift your spirit. And what was the suggestion? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Eh? Well, what's doing at the house of the Lord? Well, the Lord is there. His word is there. The altar is there and so on. But God's people are there. The people that you belong to, your family is there. So if you're down in the dumps and not doing too well spiritually and just had a bad week, it should be the experience that if I say to you, well, just wait for Sunday and get to church, and even the suggestion of that would lift your spirit 
put a smile on your face and you say, yes, I can't wait because I know when Sunday comes, my spirit is going to be lifted. It will be a, a delightful experience. It'll be like, like an ice cream. But the dead flies. You, you see, that, that oneness and that unity uh, needs to be protected because the, as believers come together in fellowship, there's always going to be a lot of flies flying around and they want to get into the ointment and, and they want to die there and, and corrupt the ointment and destroy the oneness and the unity. So you need to know what the dead flies are and be careful about them. And don't you allow any of these dead flies to get into the, the oneness of the body and take away the sweetness and the blessedness and the fragrance of it and replace it with something that reeks and stinks. Um, Samuel, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 10. 2 Samuel chapter 10. Now, David is the king of Israel. And uh, we'll just read a few wee verses here just to get a wee bit of a picture. Uh, and uh, you, you might even identify one or two sort of dead flies that, that's in this story here that destroys the relationship. And it says in verse 1, And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died and Hanan, his son, reigned in his stead. So here is Israel, and there is Anan. And David is king, and uh, the, the guys, the nation next door, they had their king, and uh, sadly, their king dies. You know, we had a royal funeral not so very long ago. Our queen, she died. And it was a big occasion. And all the nations of the world, they were aware of that. And we have relationships with them. And, and, and part of maintaining peaceful coexistence. Remember that we phrase. Because there's Israel and there's uh, uh, Anon. And they're living together in peaceful coexistence. And that's what uh, uh, unity is about. That's what harmony is all about. That's the delightful experience of coming together in oneness. That's what it's peaceful coexistence. We're at peace with one another. Not in conflict. We're not at war. Israel's not at war with the guys next door. There's peace and peace reigns. And that peaceful coexistence has to be maintained. You just can't take it for granted. You just can't say to look after itself. You have to work at it and maintain peaceful coexistence. And so here you have Israel and Ammon and the king is dead. And then verse 2 says this. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun, the son of Nanish, as his father showed kindness unto me. So you get the impression that these two kings were doing their best to maintain peaceful coexistence by showing kindness to one another. 
that maintains peaceful coexistence. Be kind. And David says, well, uh, that nation has lost their king. They'll be mourning. So I better let that nation know that I, I weep with them. I mourn with them. I grieve with them. And I'm going to send an ambassador to express the condolences of the people of Israel. That's what happens. And all that you see is maintaining the peaceful coexistence. Working at maintaining the peace. See, I look around the world and I think of that useless war now taking place in the Ukraine. And, and I see the videos. I, I would hate to be a soldier on either side. There's no place to hide. It's not like way back in the 40s and the 1920s, the first or second world war. Uh, now with technology, they, they know where you're hiding and they can send a wee drone and just drop the bomb right into a hole that size, into the, the, the tank or the, the hole in the ground you're hiding in and, and they can see your very face and identify who you are as a soldier and you're blown to pieces. Who be a soldier in the army today? And that's a human being, that's a father, that's a son, a brother, dying. And why? Because years gone by, people higher up the food chain refused to maintain peaceful coexistence. Their pride got in the way. They wouldn't show kindness one to another. They were not interested in maintaining the peace. They were after trying to influence occupation, whatever it was. The Russians were involved in it. European Union was involved in it. America was involved in it. A woman by the name of Victoria Newland was involved in it. Oh, there are many dirty hands in there trying to pull a divided country. And we in Northern Ireland, we know all about handling things with care. When you've got a divided people, you can't have outside forces pulling carelessly, pulling those communities apart. That's what happened. And we have the end result. Hundreds of thousands of men and women and children losing their lives in a war that didn't have to happen. It could have been sorted out diplomatically. And here you have two nations, Israel and the Ammonites, living side by side, and, and they're doing their best to maintain the peace. And the king next door dies, so David says, I'll show kindness to them. I'll let them know that we grieve with them. As the nations of the world said to Britain when we lost our queen, we will come to the funeral, we'll express our condolences, and all that maintains diplomatic relationships, maintains the peace, and keeps away the wars and the fightings. So what goes on? Let's take a wee look at uh, halfway, well, verse, we'll read verse 2 again. Uh, then David said, I will show kindness uh, unto the Ammonites. And David sent uh, to comfort him by the hand of his servants and his father. And David's servants came uh, unto the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan, their lord, Thinkest thou, David, doth honour thy father, that he has sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather 
sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it. There was no evidence of that whatsoever. David sent comforters to show kindness and to express condolences on behalf of David and the people of Israel. But there are other folks who took that and turned it on its head and poisoned the heart of the king, the young king, and said to this young king, these are not comforters, these are spies. David is now getting his army to line them up to invade the land and he sent the spies ahead of time. He's going to invade and to destroy. There's going to be war. So these princes, whoever they were, they poisoned the mind and the heart of their young king. See, things that we say that has no evidence in truth. It maybe it's because of what lies in our own heart we can say things and just poison the mind of someone else against somebody else and, 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 and maybe willfully misrepresent somebody else and misrepresent their intentions and their actions for our own nefarious ends. For here are the princes and they go to the young king and, and, and they feed him lies and they poison his mind and his heart against the people of Israel. Cut the story short, uh, the young king believes it. And what does he do? He takes the comforters and he humiliates them. He gets the robe and he cuts them and, and you can see their, their bare backside and he shaves their beard, half shaved, and, and sends them back. And, and uh, David sees this humiliation and he says to the people, see this, they'll be in reeds. And they're demanding that we respond to this humiliation and, and declare war on the, the Ammonites. And so David says, keep them away from the people until the beard grows back and, and we'll, we'll bear that offense for the sake of peace. And sometimes to maintain the peace there are things you have to bear. Can you turn to Psalm uh, 19, uh, sorry, Proverbs Chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. And it's verse 11. Proverbs 19 and verse 11. Here's what it says. The discretion of a man defers his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. That's very important. For the maintenance of peace and peaceful coexistence to maintain the delightfulness of oneness, sometimes things are going to be said and things are going to be done. Uh, maybe it's willful, maybe it's just misunderstanding and you're offended by it, but sometimes you're going to have to learn to live and not allow yourself to be offended. Just because somebody hurts me it doesn't mean to say I always have to respond. That's why the Bible talks about turning the other cheek. See, God's like that. He passes by the transgression of his people. He passes it by. It's, uh, it's just simply not responding to it. 
it's a wee bit like uh, if I live on a street, say, and there, there's, a, imagine I'm a big, big, strong, muscular guy uh, that I'm not, but imagine that I am, and uh, afraid of nobody, to beat anybody. But there is a wee, weedy guy on the street, and every time I come out, he, he insults me. Because I want something to say about me and my family, and, uh, and Diesel the dog, and full of insults and that kind of stuff, and... And so I come out this day, and he sees me coming, and out he's there, ready for me, and he starts cursing and swearing and making all sorts of accusations. And, and, and this day I come, and I think for the sake of his welfare, I'll pass by the other side. Which is what that wee phrase means, uh, that God... Uh, he passes by transgression is to cross to the other side. So I cross the other side and, and that just puts a smile on his face because he shouts at me more insults. He calls me a scaredy cat that, I, that I'm afraid of him. And, uh, he's misunderstood my actions. I've crossed the other side not because I'm afraid of him. I, I'm afraid of what I might do to him if I stay near him. So I'm crossing to the other side because I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to be provoked where I do hurt him. Because deep down in my soul I have another intention and that is that this guy misunderstands me. He doesn't know me. I would like to be a good neighbor to him. I'd want to be his friend. And so for the sake of hopeful future friendship and peaceful coexistence, in the meantime I'll pass to the other side I pass by the distance, bear some more insults for the sake of future hope of getting to know the guy, befriending the guy, and in the meantime maintaining peaceful coexistence. I bear the insult. The Bible says that's a more glorious thing. That's a more glorious thing. I just wish that the leaders of a world could read the Bible a wee bit more. Read the book of Proverbs a wee bit more. And there'd be less wars and less conflict if the principles of the word of God were implemented. Peaceful coexistence. Be kind to one another. Don't insult each other. <laughs> Don't build the bonfires and put nations' flags there, you know, and dance around us to try and insult the other nation, that kind of stuff. But we all know all that's down in the, in the soul and when you see someone as an enemy, uh, you want to insult them, you want to uh, humiliate them in some way. But God says in the body of Christ, no humiliation of one another, no insulting of one another, show kindness one to another. And if someone doesn't show you that kindness, if someone does offend you in some way, you don't have to be hurt by the offense. You can just turn the other cheek. You can, for the sake of oneness, you can say, Lord, Give me the grace to love of that. Give me the grace to bear that insult. The, the, the person may not even intend it as an insult. Just sometimes the way things happen in Christian fellowship, we misunderstand, we say, we do, we give hurts and offences. We don't always have to be offended by it. So, peaceful coexistence, important thing. Can you take your Bible again and let us turn to another wee passage? 
And uh, we'll turn to, well, just one last wee one, we'll do it as quick as we can. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Just a, a root of bitterness. This really goes back to the Proverbs 19:11 ties in there as well. Just somebody that says something, somebody that does something, maybe they intend it as an insult, maybe they just said without thinking or did without thinking, and, and you're hurt by it, maybe you misunderstood it, but you're offended by it, and, and, and that, that, we, that we hurt us there. And the danger is you see that if you don't learn to turn the other cheek, and live by God's grace and just uh, put it behind you. If you dwell on it, you water it by thought and concentration, it begins to grow into a root of bitterness. And it grows into a dangerous root of bitterness, resentment, hatred, and many become defiled by it. In other words, many are going to be affected by it. Some we think it was just between two people. <laughs> it's uh, watered and nourished and it grows and grows. And then two families are affected by it. And it grows and grows and it becomes more than just two families. The whole assembly is touched by it all. See? It becomes a very dangerous thing. Turns into schism. Division. Resentment. Hatred, very dangerous. Don't nourish those dead flies. If you get any sense they're, they're buzzing around your head, that you sense there's a wee root of bitterness in your heart, deal with it. Bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I feel I've got a, a growing resentment in my heart for that particular person or that particular family or that particular whatever. Lord, give me the grace to, to kill that dead fly before it stinks. The ointment. It's a wee bit like the wee story told before about the farmer and his wee dog. And uh, this friend was on the farm this day and chatting away to the farmer, but the wee dog was somewhere else. And, and the visitor began to hear the wee dog howling and howling fierce. And he said to the farmer, he says, uh, Is there something wrong with your wee dog? Oh, he says, Forget about the dog, it's a stupid dog. He says, it's over there sitting on a thistle and howling about it. And it doesn't have enough brain power to get off the thistle and go and sit somewhere else. It loves to sit in a thistle and howl about it. See, those wee offences, we can sit on them and howl about it. And that's, that's what creates the dead fly that gets into the ointment and causes to stink. I've known this assembly for, uh, what, 40 years at least. 
And I'd say my experience of it down the years is, I talk about you elsewhere, I say, Bally Harbour, it's a delightful assembly. Delightful. It's a good place to raise your children. That's what I share with you this morning, is to keep, keep going, keep doing the same thing. Whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it, because the Lord has blessed you with a wonderful unity. That you allow each other space to be whatever you are, and to grow in the Lord, and to enjoy each other's fellowship and friendship. So the Lord bless you, and keep you strong, and keep you united. For your sake, sake of the children, and for God's glory. Let's close with you in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonder of bringing such diverse people together in Christ. And thank you, our Father, you make it possible for us to dwell together in delightful, blessed unity by your wonderful graces. Father, help us to know what it is to be kind to one another and forbearing one another and all uh, the, the tender-heartedness towards each other, all these wonderful virtues that are there for us that we can use to maintain our peaceful coexistence. Father, bless this assembly, bless its witness in this town, as we ask it in our Saviour's precious name. Amen. God bless you.